Blog Talk Radio. Funky Writer Show, all about the funk of writing. I'm your host and navigator, Robert Batista, author of the seminal novel, Brooklyn Story, and powerful novella, Carmela's Dream. The Funky Writer Show has been called the most informative, eclectic outlet for all wordsmiths and literati. Now celebrating seven years of dynamic Writer's Talk Radio. Why is the Funky Writer Show so terrific? Because I'm a writer, just like my guests, and know that words are the breath of life. Connect with the show on the exciting Twitter page by going to at the Funky Writer. My father encouraged us to read and wouldn't let us read any children's books. We had to read all the classics in elementary school. He read us Metamorphosis in third grade. I read Catcher in the Rye in the fourth grade. It really isn't a book for fourth graders, but I loved to read. These revealing words are from today's guest, author and editor, Linda Jaffe Hall. Welcome, Linda, to the Funky Writer Show. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, you're welcome, and it, the pleasure is all ours. Linda, so good having you on the Funky Writers Show. Let's start off by you giving our audience some background of your life's journey and how you got to where you are today. <laughs> well, you, you did a nice job of introducing my, uh, my background. I was an avid reader as a kid, loved it when the weekly reader um, books would arrive on my desk at school that I'd ordered and I would bring them home and my father would say, this is ridiculous, you need to be reading the classics. And uh, he would sort of yell and scream that these books are ridiculous for kids and you need to be reading the real stuff. So there I was just learning to read, reading things like The Catcher in the Rye and Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison and some of those amazing books that I now have had to reread because I didn't understand a word of them at that point, but at least I could get through the sentences. Um, I went on to get a degree in economics in college because he again told me being an English major was pointless because I'll need a job. And then as soon as I got out of college, I began to study writing and began to write because I couldn't stop myself. And here I am today. So let's talk about someone who is a real hero in my estimation, your father. You just mentioned <laughs> yeah. him. 
yes. who started you very early on your literary journey. What was your father's reasoning for not allowing children's books and pushing you to reading the classics and the like at such a young age? I know he he didn't like the books you were getting, but what was his reasoning? How did he, you know, rectify that to you as a kid? You know, because as a kid, you, you don't mind reading those young books, but what was his reasoning? I He felt like it was dumbing down all this, the information that um, kids were capable of understanding and digesting and to a certain extent he was completely right but entirely agree I mean if a kid is reading and they're enjoying what they're reading that's half of the battle Um, but I did manage to read a lot of really good books and uh, he certainly fostered a love of literature in me by doing that but yeah I mean he was very against the stuff that was written to the level that he he thought I was below so I, I suppose that was to his credit so just out of curiosity, you've never, at that age, read a Dr. Seuss book or the like <laughs> at that age then? Certainly I did, because I would I okay. would hide them from him and read everything <laughs> I wanted to read anyway. <laughs> but so, I so also that's re- read. So that's reverse psychology, you know. I mean, you know, normally you read the Dr. Seuss books, and hide the older books, but with you, you had to read the older books and hide the Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's what I did. Uh, and I still, my mom uh, let me order them, and I went ahead and ordered. It wasn't the Dr. Seuss so much, but, you know, those middle-grade books like sure, Judy Bloom sure. and all that stuff that I still think are some of the best books that were ever written. Still would read them, but we hid them from Dad. <laughs> you know, Shakespeare's hard in third grade, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, an invisible man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, great yeah. book, and by the way. a lot of others. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. was your father a writer or a frustrated no. writer as well, or did he, have, did he just have a voracious love for the written word in books? He's a doctor. He is, um, he's a retired doctor now. But, he, right. you know... I think he loved his English classes, and um, so my bookshelves were lined with, I think, all my parents' uh, novels that they took in English classes in college, and he just really felt like a classical education was the most important thing there was, and that the schools weren't doing their job, so he was going to make sure that I got those books read, whether I understood what they were about or not. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your first publication. What book was your first, and who published it? And were there any challenges in getting the, this first book out to the world? <laughs> Absolutely. My first published book is not my first book that I've ever written, which is pretty common in the writing world. My, my debut novel was called, or is called The Big Bang. It right. was very difficult to get published. I, I spent 10 years writing before I ever got anything published, and then in the last three years I've published five books so it's been kind of a whirlwind but um, The Big Bang, I describe it as a suburban satire pregnancy whodunit Um, (laughs) that's about a fictional neighborhood here in Colorado where I live in in South Denver it's full of um, houses that all look the same and it's really a book about the dangers of sanitized suburban life and um, I've been lucky enough to always have agents, but that book was very hard to sell. 
because it didn't fit into a genre category. It was really its own thing. It's satire, but that's not necessarily an easy sell in New York. It was published eventually by um, Tyrus Books, which is a smaller but well-known um, press that does a lot of literary um, mystery and um, a lot of literary crime fiction, actually. But the the publisher, whose name is Ben Leroy, really loved the book and, and wanted to publish it and did, which was incredibly cool for me. So my debut book was with Tyrus Books. And um, it's still really one of my favorite books because it deals with a lot of things that I, I find important about... Um, Oh, human nature and people bringing danger to themselves wherever they live, be it the suburbs or the city or, or anywhere else. And it's it's a a story about who got the attractive neighbor lady pregnant. She, it's not her husband. And she has to figure out which of her neighbors did. It's kind of a long and drawn out <laughs> process as to why. But yeah, that's what that book is about. Okay, so um, did you say that you obtained an agent, a literary agent, and who basically shopped and sold the Big Bang to uh, Tyrus Books? Is that what happened? Well, I've, I've actually had three agents since I started writing. I wrote my first book, which actually became my fourth book, called Frog Kisses, um, and got an agent for that. She shopped that around. I almost had a two-big book deal with Phantom on those way back in the day, when I, I, right. a few years into my career. And then um, I wrote The Big Bang, and I actually um, had switched agents by then, and my agent did shop it around. I That book came about in a little bit of a different way. I met Ben Leroy at a writer's conference, and he and I hit it off um, right off the bat, and we actually... Um, became friends and I didn't actually ever think he would publish that book and never asked him to because he was doing, um, you know, dark, darker, much darker stuff. And, and, and as I said, crime fiction and he'd read some of it, um, because I wanted his opinion when I was looking for an agent and eventually he decided to expand his line a little and called me and said, I'm going to do this. And I already had my agent at that time. And, uh, so we just brokered a deal on that particular book. So you said that you were basically writing for 10 years before you basically uh, broke through. So talk mm-hmm. about that. Yes, talk about frustration, if any, that you had for those 10 years before you <laughs> broke through and were you almost there, you know, and then, it, as you said, it fell through with the Bansom thing. How were those first 10 years for you before you broke through? Um, enor- enormously frustrating. I um, used to refer to myself as the the um, m- all the most. How do I say? It? I used to say I'm the most successful, unsuccessful writer <laughs> that you've ever met. And because I had so many almost um, along the way, I, I had three agents before. You know, I, I'm on my third agent, not because we didn't get along or anything just because right. of the way of the business. Um, right. I have rejection letters that are stunning in their beauty, but eventually end with a no, or we decided not to. Um, I spent, I went to bed many a night crying that I was never going to be published, and my greatest fear, which is no longer my greatest fear, was that I would die someday and that my sons, who are now in college, um, they were in preschool when I started writing, would laugh at my funeral, You know, going through my stuff, finding 
manuscripts that never went anywhere and joke and drink beers and talk about when mom thought she was going to be a writer <laughs> in that little <laughs> brief period of time. So I I feel just entirely successful, if only for that reason at this point, that I don't have to, you know, be be that, have them find all my old unpublished manuscripts and, and laugh at me for my idiot thoughts. But it was enormously frustrated, frustrating. I say to young writers, and when I say young, we know that's all relative age-wise, that in any other career, um, you don't expect to just pick up your tool, whatever that is, be it a doctor or a lawyer or a mechanic, and know what you're doing. You spend years in school or as a journeyman learning your craft and your trade, and with writing, it's the same. And if we all didn't think we could write a book sitting, you know, by just sitting down and writing it, um, maybe the expectations would be different, but it it does take a a certain amount of time for almost all of us to get good enough to um, have a book out there that, that together makes sense enough to be published. So I now think of it in retrospect as my, as my graduate school years. And then I, I, <laughs> I think I barely survived to get to where I am today in retrospect. Graduate school years. I like that. Um, yeah. I love the concept, Linda, of your Mrs. Frugalicious Shopping Mystery book series. Talk to me about the genesis of the character and how you came up with the plot and story for the first installment, Eternally 21. This is probably one of the most interesting um, story, writing stories that I have, and, and it actually parallels a little bit of The Big Bang in that um, – you know, we don't. I don't live in New York City, so I'm not around editors and agents and people that can make things happen. So I've always told people that you should be at writers' conferences. You should go. You should go where writers are because you can't, it's not that easy to make your luck, but you have to make your luck in this business. So I was right. at the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers Conference here in Denver, and I ran into this editor, and we um, struck up a conversation, and, and we got along pretty well. And she asked to read The Big Bang, which was not published at the time. And I said to her, well, you, of course you can read it, but you're not going to be interested in it because it's not, you know, it's not a traditional mystery. And that's what she was, you know, she's a mystery editor, um, entirely more commercial genre mystery editor. And so she read it and she said to me, oh, I wish you wrote mystery. I love this. I wish you, and I said stupidly, well, I, I can't write a mystery. I don't know how. And then I got off the phone with her or whatever, however we were talking. And I realized that I just said to an an editor who was interested in my work that I couldn't do something. So um, I promptly went down to the bookstore and bought 20 cozy mysteries and read all of them. And at the end of my reading period, I realized that I could possibly write a mystery. So I, um, I'm like, Why maybe not? I can do this. So yeah. I um, didn't know what I would write it about. That was a bit of an issue. So I was watching Extreme Couponing on TV, feeling sorry for myself because my big publishing deal was out there, but I had no idea how to get it and was amazed by these couponers on this reality show that would save all this money really thinking on their feet at the grocery store you know they have a bill for four hundred dollars and end up paying 89 cents and i thought there there is a sleuth um someone who can think on their feet that quickly who can do math which i'm hopeless at and that's where the idea of mrs frugalicious was born and um i came up with the idea of maddie michaels my protagonist who is the well-heeled, formerly well-heeled wife of Frank Finance Michaels, who is a 
TV uh, financial guru, and he's lost all their money in a Ponzi scheme, and she's forced to start bargain shopping to make ends meet because she can't go work or her husband would look unsuccessful and he might lose his job. Um, in the course of that, she starts a website called Mrs. Frugalicious to trade bargain tips with people because she really doesn't know anything, and it goes viral, but no one can know she's Mrs. Frugalicious. So um, in book one, she goes to the mall and is accused of shoplifting by the assistant manager of the Eternally 21 who quickly drops dead, and she's got to solve the crime in order to keep her identity secret and um, to avoid going to prison because she's later accused of of killing this assistant manager. Um, and that's the, the story in a nutshell. But I wrote 100 pages of it, or 150 pages, and I sent it to that editor who was sort of, we were sort of friendly, and I said, you know, I think I have an idea uh, for a book, and here it is. And so she um, read it, and I fully expected that she was going to like it. And I also fully expected that when the book was, she would say, well, this this is a good start. When the book is done, I will take a look at it. What I didn't expect was a contract with a three-book deal the next day. <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah. What a story. Yeah. So Mrs. Frugalicious was born at that moment. So, yeah. so you must have hit a home run because one Amazon five-star review for Eternally 21 by D. Love says in part, this Fast-paced, nonstop action drama is a delightfully entertaining read that I could not put down. The author did a good job in delivering a solid story with many subplots that had me quickly turning the pages to get to the next scene. The mystery kept me guessing with some surprising twists that I did not see coming. This debut series is a welcome addition to the cozy mystery genre. I can't wait to see what's in store for Maddie in the next book in this terrific series. Bonus bargain hunting tips are included. So, Linda, all that and bargain hunting tips as well. It doesn't get any better than this, does it, Linda? It was a, you know, it was a fun, it's been a fun series to write. Harder than I thought because I thought it would be easy to write a cozy and I have, I'm here to tell you, it's no easier to write anything than anything else, that's as I can tell. But um, it's been really fun. I was I've been able to do some interesting stuff with Maddie, and you know she evolves over the course of the series, which is now three books. I've completed the three book contract. May have a fourth book in the series. Don't know yet, but um, yeah, you know she was really fun. And my editor, which was whose name is Terry Bischoff at Midnight Inc., allowed me to be free with it. She didn't give me any parameters of what I had to do or needed to do other than roughly manuscript length-ish. You know, I picked the titles, I picked the stories, and really it's been a dream to kind of uh, be able to develop this series and, and, and be a little more than a cozy in that there's a mystery in each book, but there's also the bargain hunting thing, and there's a, a much bigger and broader overarching story plot about Maddie's personal life that goes through, you know, in her family life that goes through the whole series. And if I do a fourth book, we'll, we'll kind of come around full circle the way, the way I'd like, even at three, it's doing that. So, because by book three, which just came out, uh, she's got a reality TV show. So called the family frugalicious. It's been, it's been fun to, to see her evolve Maddie or make her evolve, I suppose.
Robert, are you there? Are you there? Robert? Hello, Linda? Yes, hi. Yes, hi. I am so sorry. Uh, my my uh, home phone battery died. And I, oh. a thousand apologies. And thank you so much okay. for holding on. So um, let's just pick up where we left off. You graciously agreed to read for us today. Um, is that okay if you do this? Sure. What Would you like me to read from the new book? You can read the first uh, book? anything. Oh, we talked from the... Yeah, okay. Yes, anything you would like. Go ahead. I was going to read you the beginning of Eternally 21 um, so that readers who are unfamiliar with the series could get a little, um, little flavor of what the book was about. Does that sound good? Yes, yes. I had to uh, transfer it to my cell phone, so that's what I'm on now. But, uh, you know, we're <laughs> we're artists, and uh, we just never skip a beat. So if you continue and read, uh, I would love it. That sounds terrific. Um, here's a couple pages of Eternally 21, my first book in the Mrs. for Delicious Mystery series. I didn't think things could get much for worse than the night my husband came home looking like his usual tall, dark, and handsome self, but wearing a very unusual shade of, I'm really sorry, but I lost everything in a Ponzi scheme. Suffice it to say, the news was shocking, distressing, mortifying, terrifying, and any number of other disaster-related aims. Given my husband happens to be Channel 3's wealth management guru, it was also potentially career-ending. After all, who would watch his show, Frank Finance, if Frank Finance Michaels was broke? I needed to help make ends meet, but there was no out-of-the-way bar where I could cocktail waitress in guaranteed anonymity, not one where I was sure my husband's face wouldn't appear on the corner TV. Besides, Frank had to let his personal assistant go, so I stepped in at a salary of hopefully we'll be able to keep the house. Under strict gag orders about our financial bind and obligated to keep up the appearance of what was suddenly our former lifestyle, I did what any resourceful, close-to-middle-aged, stay-at-home mom with a computer would do after I finished crying and had consumed all of the Rocky Road Doritos and Girl Scout cookies in the house. Welcome to MrsFrugalicious.com, the website devoted to all things savings. Four months had passed since I posted those words, and I, Mrs. Frugalicious, also known as Mrs. Frank Finance, also so known as Maddie Michael, still felt a little thrill. Okay, a big thrill. I expected my Savers website to get a little traffic while I transformed from a high-end shopping enthusiast to a bargain-hunting maven to help save our family from the financial grim reaper, and to cheer myself up a bit, making saving a game instead of deprivation. What I got was a traffic jam. I had over 2,000 hits on the website by the end of the first month. I'd broken even by the second month thanks to my first advertiser, Botox for Less. I was even making a small profit by the end of the third month. Best of all, I had followers who posted valuable pearls of savings wisdom on a daily basis. Butter is easily freezable and its price drops significantly during the holiday season. Stock up while prices are down, Janie B. Shop for airline tickets from Tuesday afternoon to Thursday for the best pricing. Lisa L. Put your business card in the fishbowl. Can't win if you don't play. Tammy S. 
Just as I tried out each and every tip that came in, my growing frug army, as I'd taken to calling them, looked to my secret alter ego to help them find the best budget-busting solutions. I'm a single mom and my job's getting outsourced. I need to get my holiday shopping done with my, for my fashion-obsessed teenage girls while I can. Can you please help me find the very best deals for juniors? Karen B., which brought me to the South Highlands Valley Mall. I reached into my car's center console, now transformed into a mobile coupon file cabinet, and pulled out a subsection marked entitled Mall Stores. I tucked it into my purse. Making sure I had a notepad in my cell phone, I opened the door and relished the stifling, exhaust-filled blast of blistering summer parking lot air. Parlay my passion for shopping into a budget band-aid for my family and a helpful resource for people like Karen B. made the cool rush of mall air conditioning and heady aroma of crisp new merchandise all the more heavenly. And there's a little of Eternally 21. I, I I really really got into that. I I was just listening to every word. It was it was such a great story. Um, looking forward to reading more of that. So, Linda, I am highly intrigued by your early endeavor called the Big Bang. Let's start with the title and work from there. <laughs> afterwards, oh, tell me if afterwards tell me if Melody Mountain Ranch is loosely based on a place you yourself once called home? The Big Bang <laughs> is a double entendre, as you might oh, yeah. imagine. Oh, yeah. Since it's a pregnancy whodunit. Um, and Melody Mountain Ranch is not based on anywhere I ever lived. Um, I'm kind of a city girl. But when I moved to Colorado, I was amazed at the miles and miles and miles of suburbia of sprawl here. And while the houses are all pretty out there, when they're piled up next to each other, all looking the same, it's hard on me. <laughs> other people seem to like it. I like a little more diversity in my life and my lifestyle. So I was struck <laughs> by how homogenous things were. And I envisioned a story that uh, took place out there. And I wondered what life was like a little bit. And this is the Big Bang is my imagining of what it would be like to have a big um, home that's very much like everyone else's, but that might not be so well constructed. And the Big Bang is a, I guess, a, um, in one sense, the, the the neighborhood in my book, Melody Mountain Ranch, is literally rotting beneath these folks' home. So they get they get a Big Bang by the developer um, at the end of the book when they find out that their houses are cheaply constructed and, and built. Um, on some some bad water issues, and um, above ground things are just as tumultuous. Um, the main the, the central character, whose name is Hope Jordan, is a very beautiful lady, and she has everything: a beautiful home, a great career, a successful husband. She has everything but the one thing she wants, which is children. And uh, her husband travels a whole lot. They're trying to get pregnant, and all of her neighbors are simultaneously trying to woo Hope while her husband's not around. And um, right. after a playground ribbon-cutting ceremony um, and a neighborhood potluck where in which someone brings hash brownies and puts them out at the potluck, Hope <laughs> finds herself pregnant and has to discover which of her neighbor's suitors 
might be the father since she has no idea what happened that evening as a result of some of the events. Um, she not being a, uh, an immoral lady in her way, but her neighbors having other ideas. So that is the overall story of the Big Bang. And she does kind of, it is kind of a mystery where she has to find out who done it and then what she's going to do about it. This baby that she's wanted so badly that it turns out not to be her husband. So that is, <laughs> I think it's quite an intriguing story myself. But, oh, you know. man. I mean, hash brownies. <laughs> you know, you can, you can write anything after that once once the hash brownies are passed around. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's right. That was a really fun scene to write, let me just tell you, and in a lot of perspectives because everyone's consuming them, and some people know that the hash is in there and others do not. Uh, uh, Linda, one of the true tests of a writer is creating characters that are developed and well-layered. How was it handling this challenge when you gave birth to the charming character, Hope Jordan? You know, Hope is is kind of a shallow gal. She's not, she's not unsmart. Um, she is a little bit... Um, unevolved she's 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 extremely attractive and so she's not had to do some of the work that most people have to do in their life to develop other skills and and skill sets i should say because she skates by on her looks she is a central character of that book but it's very much an ensemble book there are six viewpoint characters in the big bang um hope her three suitors and then um, the wives of the suitors that are living other experiences as their husbands are up to whatever they're up to. So right. I had a wonderful time with that book, particularly writing the male characters. And I have to say that um, I did worry a little because I hadn't written a male character before I embarked on that in the Big Bang. And I would take it into my critique group waiting for one of the men to kind of say, but no guy thinks this way or this wouldn't happen, and it didn't happen. So um, then later afterwards, I, I said, so my male characters are believable, and everyone was, yeah, it's completely believable. So it was fun. I, I think about character more than almost anything in all of my books, and I believe that stories are primarily character, at least the ones I like to read. I'm not as big of a plot-driven reader. So I spend an enormous amount of time developing my characters into fully formed people as best I can. Awesome. I personally, if I was to pick up one of your books, I would start with The Big Bang. Believe me, that would be the first one of your books I would read. So let's Thank dive you. Into, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about Linda Jaffe Hall, the person. I know you're from okay. St. Louis. What would you mm-hmm. say your childhood was like? Were you rebellious as a child, a conformist, or a little bit of both? Um, we used to joke. Well, it, it, we have an. I had an interesting upbringing. I'm the oldest of five girls. And, wow. Um, yeah, I, I was not rebellious, but we were all rebellious. I have a sort of rebellious parents to begin with in their way. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, your they weren't hippies especially. or anything. <laughs> they, their personalities are, that's a whole, I don't think we have enough time to go into <laughs> my parents and their various personalities. But we used to joke that the only way to rebel in our house was to become a staunch Republican. 
So um, we we had a my father was very strict but very anti-establishment, and my mother was very freewheeling, um, but weirdly traditional about certain things. So so we had an odd. And I think I had an odd but traditional childhood. That's the only way I can explain it. I did have a great odd education. Odd but traditional. <laughs> yeah, I I had a great education. St. Louis is a a very I think an odd city in that it's um, well you've seen a lot of what's been happening in St. Louis over the years. It's a very stratified place, and I felt um, constrained there, so I didn't end up living there as an adult. But but I appreciate being from there, and I still love. I still think all St. Louisans think St. Louis is the center of the universe, and I'm afraid I still believe that somewhere deep in my soul, even though I live in Denver, Colorado, which is a magnificent city. Let's talk about another hat that you wear, Linda, provided provider of a variety of fiction and nonfiction editing services. How did you come to do this? And take us through on how you select your manuscripts. Um, well, sometimes they come to me where people will call me. I actually uh, connected with a friend who I believe you interviewed uh, for for this uh, blog, and he does some non some editing. And there's a gentleman in town here who's had a, a an editing and book, you know, and ghostwriting business for 20 or 30 years. And he'll call, usually he'll call me up and say, Linda, I have a cool project for you. So lately I've been ghostwriting an economic fairy tale, which has been enormously fun. And as it turns out, I have a degree in economics. So it's been, I've been able to put that degree to use. Finally, my father turned out to be right. Um, I prefer to edit nonfiction as opposed to fiction because I'm typically working on a book of my own and fiction hurts my brain. And, you know, I only have so much mental energy, but I'm also editing and and ghostwriting a book on getting and maintaining good credit and which right now, which seems like it would be an incredibly boring topic, but the gentleman who wants to write the book is so passionate about what he does that I'm super excited to uh, work with him. So I actually take projects on based on my enthusiasm for them. And if I think I can do the best job, for that person and what they want to do. So I'm I'm always open and I look at it and then I say, yeah, this is for me or, or no, it's not. And so fiction being my least favorite, even though I do an enormous amount of critiquing and helping others in the, in the fiction writing world, I don't know that I want to be paid for that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what's next for Linda Joffrey Hall? What other irons do you have in the fire coming up? Oh, 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 if I start with you, this, I mean, if I tell you this, you're going to say, why didn't we talk about this the whole time? But I have written, and I'm in the process of doing an edit. I um, had an idea along the lines of my suburban strife, the Big Bang, years ago of writing. I heard this rumor that out in the suburbs there was all kinds of swinging going on, which means wife swapping, you know, swinging. And so I write typically funny stuff. I didn't see that as a terrifically funny topic, and I couldn't figure out how to do a book on it. And I was at a big fiction uh, mystery writing conference, and I ran into this fella whose name is Keir Graff. He happens to be a senior editor at Booklist. And we were at the bar talking, and I said, I have this idea for a book, but I have no idea how to write it. And he said, I have been thinking about that same thing and researching it, 
And someone later said, what a pickup line. <laughs> but it turned out to be true. And we have written a book together. It's wow. entitled Swing Set. It, he lives in Chicago. I live in Denver. We did the whole writing process over the phone of a husband and wife who are uh, upper middle class, un, sort of unsatisfied with their marriage and maybe their social life, and they get into a very exclusive situation with some of the parents in their daughter's first grade class, and they end up as swingers. And it is a very serious examination of um, the things people do to, in the name of fun and enhancing that they do to their marriage and their lives. And it's a really serious examination of this thing that turns out to be a a weirdly popular, um, I guess I should call it pastime. I don't know what the right word is. And um, when we finished the book, so the book is in two perspectives, the husband and wife and the effects on their marriage and on their psyches of this decision. And um, our agent's very excited about it. Of course, everything's a double entendre when you've written a book that has this, but it's been hard to sell because it, it doesn't fit on the shelf. The it's not erotica, even though it has erotic uh, subject matter. It's it's actually right. literary fiction. Right. right. So we are in the process of doing an edit. We have a a little bit of a suspense plot line in it, and um, we've almost sold it. New York houses. We've had really big editors interested in it, but they're a little. They don't know. If they're kind of hot potato about it. So um, we're trying to make it so that the marketing department. And I know that sounds like selling out, but. We already had a suspense element in it. Um, the marketing department of whatever publishing house can figure out what where on the shelf it goes at the bookstore. Never mind whenever I bring it up at a book club or in any social setting or at my book signing last night, no one wants to talk about anything else. So we know the book would be a big hit if we can just get one yeah, editor absolutely. to say, let's do this thing. So, yeah, that's been my labor of love. See, once again, it's a weird double entendre. Um, for the last couple of years and we're finishing that up and then we're going to start working on another domestic uh, suspense together because we write so well together. All the best with swing sets. Sounds like it's going to be a great story and a great book. Um, well, how do you. people contact you, uh, Linda? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, well, you can go to my website, which is totally unupdated. I need to get to it. I've been way too busy um, with finishing up all these projects and things. Uh, www.lindajoffehull.com. So it's Linda, J-O-F-F-E-H-U-L-L.com. Um, I'm on Facebook as Linda Joffe Hull, and I'm on Twitter as at Linda E-J-H. So contact me, one of, any one of those ways. Beautiful. This has been the Funky Writers Show, which teaches you always to be prepared for the unexpected, but we made it through. I am hmm. author Robert Batista on Twitter. You can find my ebooks on smashwords.com and my novels on amazon.com. My guest has been the prolific author and book editor, Linda Joffrey Hall. Make sure you visit her fantastic website, to make sure lindajoffeyhall.com as she has so graciously said a few seconds ago and feast your soul. It's a great website. Thank you so much, Linda, for being a guest on the Funky Writer Show. 
Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate it's, it. It's been great, and you're a real trooper. Thanks, Linda, and have a great evening. Bye now. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye now.